This week's podcast brought to you by Chin Horns. We were having some problem the other day getting Alexa to respond to our request in the kitchen. I forget what it was, but then you pointed out that our Alexa has pancake batter in its pores, mm-hmm. and perhaps that was giving it difficulty hearing. I believe you're the one who put it there. Well, I also have pancake batter in my pores. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. I don't think we've ever done a podcast at this time of day before. We've done Ball and Chain After Dark. We've done Early Morning Sunrise with Restiva, whatever you want to call it. But this is mid to late afternoon Ball and Chain. I think this would be a nap time with Ball and Chain, ordinarily. (laughs) Yeah, probably, because normally at this time we are um, leaving to go pick up our kids from school, but they were virtually learning today because of lots of snow here. Um, you yeah. think they were virtually learning today? Weren't they? Virtually, they were supposed to be. Virtually in the sense of not really. S- sort of, right. That's true. Yeah, when our when our fifth grader comes in and says, you know, s- starts sitting down with her work, and what, what time was she done? Like, what time was their actual Zoom lesson done? Yeah, before lunch. And I'm like, wait a minute, what? Now it's all about uh, doing your work here. But... Um, yeah, I guess it's better than having all the snow days tacked on at the end of the school year. So they've, I guess they, what did, what were they given? Two or three real snow days where they, no school, just play in the snow, build a snowman, go sledding, but whatever. But they didn't do any of that. But I mean, but they could have. They th- Those were days off from school. They but could have now, built a virtual snowman on an iPad. <laughs> but now um, the schools don't want the, uh, I guess the last day of school right now is a Friday. This is how it was framed to us. It's a Friday. So they're going to do everything virtual instead of snow days going forward because they don't want to extend it into the following week. So um, so our kids are done with actual snow days and will now just have virtual learning when there's lots of snow. Well, I thought we'd devote this entire podcast to breaking down uh, the Super Bowl in, in detail. <laughs> oh, are we? No, I'm kidding. It was... It was <laughs> we, I watched It was leaving my brain as it happened. It was evaporating. Yeah. My favorite part of the Super Bowl was after the person ran on the field and um, CBS was not going to show it, I was looking at my Twitter feed and I saw Holly Rowe, who was at the Super Bowl. And of course, because she's Holly Rowe, <laughs> had full video of the person running on the field, evading a tackle at midfield by somebody... I don't know if it was security or what working there, and then eventually getting or, or tackled another at interluder the, interloper, yeah. and, and then get, getting tackled at the one yard line, and um, she posted that, and like it's got like six hundred thousand views because of course, like people at home, they they see that somebody's run on the field, and all you want to do is like I want to see the conclusion of this story. This person has run on the field. They were clothed. Let me just see him get tackled. And they were clothed. They were wearing a pink thong advertising an adult website. Oh, it was. I didn't yeah. know that. And, and the guy <laughs> the guy claims to have the guy claims to have uh, put $50,000 down on 
there being a streaker at the Super Bowl for which he claims to have won $374,000, though I don't think most sports books take big money on whether or not there'll be a streaker for that very reason. If um, but, if you're going to be... But there is a reason that the cameras cut away from these buffets. Sure. But, but if you're going to be wearing a garment of clothing that's advertising something, it, wouldn't you be better off with a baggy shirt or t-shirt than a thong? Like, doesn't a thong leave you very little room to... <laughs> Advertise you, your you were wearing you were wearing a metaphorical thong by being at the Super Bowl among twenty five thousand other people, some of whom were inoculated, and uh, some of whom were inebriated. Right, I think all of whom were inebriated. I, I talked to Holly um, last night actually about the Super Bowl, and I told her I said when I first saw your post on Twitter, I was thinking, what are you doing? And then it hit me. Oh, she's already had COVID and relatively recently. So as far, you know, from the science that we know, she had her immunity built up. It was actually safe for her to be at the Super Bowl. And she said it was so weird um, to be at an event, like not not one that she's working because, she, of course, she's worked college football games, but be at an event where there was people in life and stuff going on. And she said, I can't wait like for this vaccine to get in more arms so that we can live that way again safely. If there's anything we know about football fans, they know their science. <laughs> well, I give Holly, and not as a football fan, as a, as a smart human being. I think she knows hers. I have a note here. I have very few notes in my phone, but every once in a while I jot down a note in my phone. And then you forget what it means. on the podcast. Well, no, I know exactly what this oh. means. Um, and, and, and all it says, and, and I'm sorry to spring you this on you, cold, but it just says, how do we feel about spider plants? What's your problem with my spider plants? I don't have a problem with them. I said, uh, how do we feel? Me, Why did you let, let immediately go to that? Let me thing and, and, and reverse the question onto you. Why? How do you feel about spider plants? I, I think a little bit of them go a long way. I think we've had this conversation before, actually, on the podcast. We certainly wouldn't have had it in real life. Spider plants are not the prettiest plants. They're just not. I get that. But the spider plants that we have, we have, well, in one pot, like three of them were joined together to form one. And then we have one in another pot. When our kids were in pre-K, they uh, were given the a seedling, uh, basically, of a spider right. plant. And now they've grown. Right. And that's why I have these these plants. And um, To remind you of our children. Who are there in the house no, with the spider because plants? Our children, who also like were, these plants were started are as seedlings and, and grew, right? And providing they provide but but good but clean the, air the, the and children are, are much greater manifestations of our children than the spider plants. Fine. Let's watch them grow. Fine, but we had but we have pl- other plants that are all very nice plants. The spider plants are relatively ugly, but th- all the other ones look really nice. But you have a problem with all the plants. No, no, like, I, we, and, and the plants are in like the, the no, one no, the no. one room. Right. It's, and, it's, you, it's, and you it's always a, it's like, a, have it's a problem it's with it. It's a, a 1970s fern bar, it is not. which ordinarily no, I would not. love. If it were an actual 1970s fern bar and it I could get a Harvey Wallbanger, you know, I'd be all for it. Like put when you put go on into England Dan and John Ford Coley on the jukebox. When, Absolutely. When you go into someone's home and you go into a room that has like vibrant lovely plants it just adds adds something a- very absolutely nice. i agree with you so so your problem is just with the spider plants they're or neither lovely the nor vibrant discuss the, all of the plants are just the spider plants. I, I, I don't even know what the other ones are they all we've they, got the aloe plants which my mother gave me and whenever a kid one of our kids has a burn or something else i just feel it makes me feel good to to 
break off one of those aloe, I don't know if it's called a branch or a leaf or what, and you squeeze out the aloe, and I feel like my mother's giving their little wound a kiss to make it better. And those are actually, those are pretty plants. The, the spider plants are the only kind of bad looking plants that we have, but I still like them. And, and I, I, I'm open to moving them somewhere else. I am not open to getting rid of them. As, as somebody who, who loves neither spiders nor plants, <laughs> spider plants aren't my favorite. Shall we move on? Sure. The, I'm, this, I'm digging my feet in the ground on this one though. Just so you know, you're planting your feet in the <laughs> in the rich loam of of the spider plant. Okay. I am. Um, the other thing I've written down is uh, because I saw this on um, TV or Twitter or something was the guy on CBS asking Paul McCartney's daughter as she promoted the cooking show um, whether or not you should leave the toaster on the counter or put it away, and it apparently it had sparked uh, hot great debate. conversation. Yeah. Not great conversation, no. Just terrible. great debate. Uh, apparently there was a divide, and I didn't think there was any any real two ways about it. You put the toaster away, don't you? Of course. Oh, good. I thought you were going to start saying you, you wished we kept the toaster out well, of the Well, we basically counter. do because it's it, we're toasting so frequently. No, I, whenever that thing in, cools off, and sometimes, unfortunately, before it's completely cooled off, I because um, when I grab it, I do my, one of my fingers tends to go in the place where the toast is toasted, the bread is toasted. Um, I always put it away. Like it's, why would you leave it on the counter? Although, you know who had the best setup is your brother and did our sister-in-law. Do they have a toaster cozy? No. I don't know if you remember this. Um, they're not Wait, in you're just house. Gonna, you're just going to fly by the phrase toaster cozy? <laughs> they're not in this home anymore, but they had a house and in the kitchen, like one of the lower cabinets because their kids were little you opened the like the door and you pulled out a drawer and one of the things in that drawer was the toaster because there was an electrical outlet inside that it was perfect you pull the drawer out you toast whatever you want to toast and you could just push the drawer back in and shut the things it was like the best of both worlds you never had to pick up and move the toaster but you could hide the toaster when you were done with it the, the what's so great about the phrase toaster cozy, if I may, is is because <laughs> we're going to revisit it, it. Yes, it, it's it's what's better than being toasty and cozy, and, cozy? and it combines the two. What would a toaster I also, cozy I also look now, like? I also now want to. Well, they exist. People people have them. People have little covers that they put over their toasters. No, they don't. They absolutely do. I've seen them. Are they like we were talking last week about the, about the rugs people put on their toilet seat lids? I mean, of course they have little toaster cozies. But like, and, can you and purchase them off somewhere other than Etsy? It's, it reminds me of something like a grandma would make, and it's kind of quilted. Possibly, I don't know. I mean. But it now also makes me want to get a, a coaster cozy. Not a coaster cozy, <laughs> or possibly that. What would a coaster cozy look like? It would just you'd have a stack of coasters, you know, like a little set of four coasters. A four coaster bed, for instance, a little set of coasters. You've seen them. We have them. Yes. And then it would You'd just be a little a cover that goes over it. I don't know why. It's just, I can't I just have like a spider plant, but you want a toaster cozy well, if you really and want, a coaster cozy? If you really want a, an How about innovative, a spider plant cozy? Then it would no, completely no, hide it. I'd be all for that. But what, what the, the, the product innovation that, I, that I, I really want, and I actually have one, was uh, the other day I was asked to pull the too small hoodie sweatshirt off of our 10-year-old, and I couldn't get it over her noggin. The opening, the neck opening was was just, I don't know how she got it on, but it's easier to get on than to take off. 
And your system for removing sweatshirts from our children is poor. Well, by the I way. came up with a good way to do it. I have a long-handled shoehorn, and I stuck it in there under her chin, and <laughs> and used a chin horn, and we chin horned her head out Did of the sweatshirt. Really? Yes. Weren't you there? No, I was there for the aftermath where you held up the sweatshirt and said, you know, how did... Okay, so this is... So, and and, and she thought it was a great idea. She (laughs) thought the chin horn was a great idea. And I said, tomorrow, if you wear this, we'll chin horn you into the sweatshirt. Oh, see, this is the problem. When you take a kid, when when you need to remove a hoodie from one of your children, your small children, you have to first have them take their arms out of it and then you move their sweatshirt to above their shoulders and then if you need to you go underneath and you pull apart the head part and get it over their head so it doesn't hurt them you just grab the bottom of the sweatshirt their arms are still in you tell them to put their hands over their head and then you just pull as hard as you can <laughs> like their head could pop off like a, like on a dandelion i mean who that's not that's not the safe comfortable way neither is a a what horn a chin horn a chin horn like have take their arms out use your hands to stretch out the area that goes over their head i mean of course it'd be better if they just had hoodies that fit but like you like violently <laughs> rip their sweatshirts off and then now it's inside out too it's just a whole bad system it's like it's like a fireman removing the kids arm to save the fence that he got stuck in <laughs> like you and and your solution was to use a ch- uh, shoehorn under her chin it wasn't to change she, your she, system she loved it it wasn't to change how you remove the sweatshirt it was to get a shoehorn to put under her chin. it was it was it, you're right it was to change the whole game now we have a chin horn and it, it has a new use and it could probably kill on shark tanks so and when it's not under her chin it's on someone's dirty foot yes yeah Okay. Um, well, I, I want to get to the, the real Super Bowl news, and that is um, before the Super Bowl. It was, it was snowing to beat the band here. You were away at— I was in Bristol for a studio. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and I had to go—weirdly, we were left without any snacks or any dinner on Super Bowl Sunday, and the kids were really looking forward to their annual eating in front of the team. They don't care about the game. They actually ended up becoming very invested in, in the game because one one of our kids decided, because the others were, were rooting for uh, the Chiefs, one of our kids decided that he would root for the Buccaneers, and it, and it then became very heated and, and high stakes. But, but can, we wanted can, to have snacks can, in front of the team. Can TV. we pause for a second? Sure. The construction of how you said that. Weirdly, we were left... Without snacks, uh, let me put it or in the dinner. active voice. Let me put it in the active voice. I failed to get us snacks Either or dinner snacks for the Super Bowl, or dinner. Okay. and now it was snowing, and I had to go out in the snow in a minivan um, to the local grocer. And when I did, uh, I was I was going down the aisles with my little cart, and I saw an hour before kickoff or less a friend of ours and his son it was a friend of our son's. And I said to them, you guys aren't watching the Super Bowl? And our friend said, what? At which point I realized he wasn't our friend. And it wasn't his son. It wasn't, I mean, it was his son, but it was a total stranger. And that stranger's you, son. You knew neither this, they were wearing masks. this adult or this child. No, no, didn't know them. All they knew was that some guy that they didn't know came up to, the set, came up to them and said, you're not watching the Super Bowl? 
And the guy said, oh, what? We're watching the Super Bowl. We've got time. And I said, did I say, oh, I'm sorry. You're not who I thought you were. That's, I what, say, a, that's what a normal human being I would say, have said. I thought you were somebody else. That's what a normal human being would have said. What, what did I say? I said, oh, well, I only say that because people keep saying that to me. Had anybody said that to me? No. <laughs> I, uh, Had I completely lost my mind? Of course. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I think I've mentioned this before, but a few times I've thought I've recognized somebody like in a mask, you know, and I've had the good sense not to say hello or even acknowledge them because A, it's probably not them, and B, how would they know who they're talking to? So anyway. I don't remember where I was this past week, but um, I was somewhere and I looked up and for a second I thought it was our daughter coming towards me and I said, um, I said, oh, I'm over here. And then I realized it wasn't our daughter and uh, our daughter in, who was then with okay. actually her mother. And I just said to her, I said, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were my daughter. That's worse. No, but, but that's what a normal human being would do. They would just do what I did. I'm like, oh, over here. I said, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were someone else. Mistaking, mistaking your, uh, some stranger for your daughter? Well, I just, out of the that's, corner of my eye, I some, saw somebody coming towards me. No, but oh, that's some the cats bigger in the point, cradle stuff. The bigger point is a normal human being, which I think I am. I just said, oh, I thought, I'm sorry. I thought you were someone else. And so then they didn't think I was weird. I, I just knew I'd made a mistake. This guy is probably like, what? What are you talking about? That's what people keep saying yeah. to you. Yeah. So and, you're going to say and, that to and me and at a grocery that, store. And that abnormal human being, as you called him? Yes. Invented my, the sh- the chin oh, horn. The so, <laughs> so there. So there. Well, maybe you were still thrown off because wasn't this the second place that you had gone to get snacks? Well, I had gone to the grocery that was slightly closer, and I skated around in the minivan, which has terrible handling in snow. I arrived safely. I got shopping bags out of the back of the van where I know you keep them, and I strode up proudly to the grocery store. The parking lot was nearly empty because, of course, the weather was atrocious. And when I got there, there was a paper sign taped to the door that said, uh, we closed at 5 due to inclement weather. So It was like 5.07 or something, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, I got back in the van, and as I did, a, a car pulled up in the space next to me, which was I was in the second closest space. That car was in the closest space. And a guy started to get out of the car, clearly looking for Super Bowl snacks at the last minute. And I rolled down my window and said, they closed at five due to inclement weather. And the guy sighed, got back and said, thank you, laid a patch in the parking lot and beat me to the next grocery store by about five minutes. I was, you were doing those things as I was trying to make my way home from Bristol. It was um, a nasty, uh, the roads were nasty and, um, and the snow was coming down and I put in ways, you know, our home address because I didn't know. I was trying to think, you know, I don't know if there might be an accident on the highway. So um, Waze sent me a back way that I've never gone before that was all traffic lights and hills. <laughs> and I was thinking, I need a, a traffic app or a GPS app that takes into account snow. So I think Waze saw that people were going really slowly on the highway, so it wanted me to avoid the highway. So it instead, it sent me the most treacherous way because the hardest thing to do with the, the weather the way it was, was stop 
So now I'm I'm coming to all these stoplights and stop signs. And the other thing that was not good in these driving conditions was going down, in particular down hills. So it kept me on these on side roads until I got home. It was infuriating. I need ways to have a function where you can hit like weather or another app that actually takes into account the weather and can somehow say, all right, these are the, you know, forget how fast cars are going. This this is the way that, I don't know, has the safest roads or what. I'm not sure, but it wasn't wasn't working on Sunday for me. One problem with the miracle of these ways and other GPS apps and things is when you had to use a paper map, you, I mean, yes, you had the problem of 19 square feet of, of creased paper in front of you blocking out the windshield as you drove, but you at least had to plot out the most sensible route home on your own and not, I mean, not make turn-by-turn reliance right. on this app. Right. And I know one of the one of the problems, you know, some residential neighborhoods like in Los Angeles have had is now instead of people taking the freeway, there's a regular shortcut through your residential street. And, and, and I know in, in L.A., I remember reading a story uh, a few years ago about, you know, it used to be the occasional tourist would go up to the, the actual base of the Hollywood sign to take pictures. But now that you can just plug in, you know, Hollywood sign into the app, you know, that residential neighborhood has a constant stream of, of people, which didn't happen with, with paper maps. You, yes, you could buy a map to the stars' homes, and look at the hedge of the house where Lucille Ball once lived in 1954. But um, Waze has made that stuff more problematic for the people who live there. Yeah. I wonder how many people could, well, not people of our age, because we grew up with maps and we grew up while we were driving in cars looking out the window, not like looking at a device in our hand. But I wonder how many of kind of this generation of kids who have spent, you know, the entirety of their car rides looking at a screen how if they would even know how to navigate how they, if they would know how to get from point a to point b because they haven't been staring out the window for all these years to know how to do it if they would know how to get to point a from point a to point b if satellites were down and they couldn't use ways if they would know how how to read a map even if they had one in their car or if they would um, know the uh, if they would know the the tingling sensation of seeing a billboard that said 27 miles to magnificent cavern and then you would just wait for the next billboard, and it was now 13 miles. Yeah. And then, and then when 13 miles later, you would see that you know this exit for a magnificent cavern, and then whoosh, your dad would go whooshing by that exit, and you would return to disappointment and anticipating the next great uh, attraction along the way, 300 miles distant. That you would then drive right. Past. Of course. Yeah, it's certainly uh, you know like our kids or even us as adults, we basically know exactly what time we are going to get somewhere now. It's not like oh, I'll get there about three forty-five. You can tell the person my ETA is three forty-eight, and generally that means you're going to get there at three forty-eight. It's not even an ETA; it's a it's a TA. It's a TA, right? Well, I had my incident at the grocery store. You had a pleasant experience at the grocery store today. I had a today. great experience today. So again, it's snowing pretty heavily, kids home from school, but um, I worked Sunday and Monday, so I hadn't gone to the grocery store yet. So this morning, um, before the roads got bad, I headed out to the grocery store. There weren't a lot of people there. I'm going through the aisles, doing our weekly shopping. My cart's full. I get to the, the last aisle, and our friend, who 
a couple weeks ago told me that he watches, or no, not watches, but listens to the Ball and Chain podcast. He came over to tell me that as he was a kid growing up, he too called it Sherbert. And we had a conversation. Is that because at Friendly's, which is an ice cream place in New England, you would have like the Sherbert cooler? And anyway, he said, he's like, I, I looked it up. Nope. I don't know why we called it Sherbert, but that's, of course, not how you pronounce it. Anyway, then he asked me about the UConn game last night. As we record this, Paige Beckers hit this incredible three-point shot. We should probably discuss that yeah. later. Um, so we talked UConn basketball. And then out of his pocket, he, he works at Stop and Shop. Out of his pocket, he pulls out one of the name tags from Stop and Shop. With the logo. With the word, the name. Professionally printed. Professionally printed. It looks like it looks like the name tags that all the Stop and Shop workers wear. Stop and Shop logo. Then where the name is, it says Restiva. And he said, I hope I spelled this correctly. I don't know if I did. And I said, are you kidding? I'm, yes, you spelled this correctly. This this is amazing. And it came in a, in a velour-lined hinged mahogany box. <laughs> With a cozy. Um, right. But That's uh, like the Presidential Medal of Freedom for us. Like, I, I can't tell you how this brightened up my morning. It, it made my day. It's the managerial medal of freedom. I wonder if I'm allowed to wear it when I go grocery shopping. I, I, I think uh, that could cause problems. It could cause problems, yeah. The impersonating. But I will absolutely. I'm gonna, I'll take a picture and I'll post it on our Instagram account, which is at Ball and Chain. I think it's just that Ball and Chain podcast. But um, how about that? How how thoughtful was that? And um, I was very pleased. To, and, and I guess I'll have to share it with you. But um I, uh, there will be times well, where I just might want to wear it around the house. You can keep it because I was there uh, two days ago, and he gave me a, a Marty the Robot. <laughs> he gave you the actual robot? Yeah, the actual robot. Okay. Are you guys serious about this stuff? As a Rebecca Lobo set shot. Glass! So we mentioned Paige Beckers. Um, huge game last night, number one versus number two, UConn versus South Carolina. I guess it was South Carolina versus UConn because UConn was the home team. And one of the bad things for me, selfishly... I I feel stupid interjecting, but should we say that she's a a freshman uh, basketball player at UConn? Oh, yeah, we'll get there. Um, But one of the bad things for me is now that UConn is in the Big East, the Big East Conference, their TV contract is not with ESPN, it's with Fox Sports. So anytime UConn has a big game at home... Fox has the priority of whether or not they want to show it. So if UConn's playing on the road at, like when they were at Arkansas or at Tennessee, Southeastern Conference, their uh, contracts with ESPN, we get to call those. But basically, going forward, I'm not going to get a chance to call any of these big UConn home games because Fox Sports will have those. Anyway, huge one versus two matchup. Can I just interject quickly? Yes. You said you said the phrase "going forward" for the second time during this podcast. I think somebody out there, if they haven't done so already, will create the ball and chain drinking game, where every time one of us says something, uh, and in your case, "going forward," "going forward" will be one of those phrases. And and when you say something condescending, that'll be one of those <laughs> well, phrases too. And and when I interject or okay. interrupt, please so, carry on. So the game was a little bit ugly because if it was a defensive battle, both teams um, kind of took away what the other was trying to do. But it was close, back and forth the whole way, an exciting game. UConn is up one with under a minute to go, shot clock running down. I think there's two seconds on the shot clock. 
Paige Beckers launches, the freshman from Minnesota, launches this off-balance, one-leg-in-the-air, sort of three-point shot. Kind of a, a recoil, like like after firing yeah. a canyon, where she was sort of uh, uh, bounced back a yeah. bit from the force and of the... It throws it up. It bounces, I think, off the back of the rim, straight up. It seems like it goes up forever. Good five feet above the top of the backboard. Comes back down, splash right through. And if it had been a two-pointer, not that big of a deal because South Carolina had time to get a last shot off. They would, you know, you kind of would have been up three. But this is a, this is the dagger. It was kind of like this is the exact same situation they were in against Tennessee, but in the Tennessee game, Paige Beckers had not shot well most of the night, and then hits this huge dagger. Well, so not only does she hit this shot that ultimately seals the game, and that shot could have could have uh, hit hit the top of the backboard, kind of rolled around, bounced around, hit the shot clock, did the whole. Plinko thing where where everybody's everybody's horrified and embarrassed and it's awkward and, and maybe the ball gets stuck behind the backboard. They have to get a ladder, retrieve it. But, but it, that's not what happened. But that's not what happened. And it also it was her third third consecutive thirty plus point game for UConn. No UConn player has ever done that. I mean, think about that. Diana Trossi, Sue Bird, Maya Moore, Brianna Stewart. There's been some incredible players to go through UConn. No player before now had ever had three consecutive 30-point games. Well, Paige Beckers has and did. And so UConn beats the number one ranked team in the country um, in South Carolina. This kid is... Beat them in Connecticut, but the number one team, South Carolina. South Carolina was the number one team. UConn was hosting the game. And... um, this was one of these games where, like, wow, it really is too bad that they're that we're in a place right now where you can't have fans because that place would have just been going nuts and exploded. But it was, I mean, this kid is really, really special, and um, you know, not only because of her ability to score, but for two times now to hit these daggers at the end of important games, and of course, this is the most important one she's played in so far because it was a one versus two. Um, She's just extraordinary. I, I really, really enjoy watching her play, as as do many basketball fans. So that was exciting. And uh, then, if I may just interject yes. when you said it would have been a great game to have fans at, because I know while listening intently to what you're saying, just scanning, opening the uh, viewer mail uh, queue here, we have a couple of couple of people interested in the dogs at Gampel. Jen with two N's writes, I saw all the cardboard cutouts in the seats, including the dogs in the student section. Are the Russian dogs included with the other pets at Gampel Pavilion? Um, the Russian dogs are not yet um, included. Our our children are there. Our children are there watching the games as cardboard cutouts, but I did uh, I did not purchase the cardboard cutouts for our pets. But, uh, but anyway, th- so we've got this great, you know, women's basketball game. And then yesterday and also today and tomorrow and the next day, I'm immersed in G League men's basketball. For the first time for me ever, I will be calling a G League game tomorrow as as this comes out. On Wednesday, I'll be calling a G League game that includes Team Ignite. And Team Ignite is the team that has five of the kids who, instead of going to college, instead of going overseas, chose to play this season in the G League. Salaries upwards of a quarter of a million dollars. I think um, one or two of the players might be making a half a million dollars. Um, but these 18, 19 year old kids, there's five of them on this G League team, um, Team Ignite. And they, they also have some seasoned veterans. There's a 36 year old, a 37 year old, like guys who are there to mentor them and to help them along the way during the season. So, anyway, 
calling a G League game on Wednesday and a G League game on Thursday. And it's um, it's been super interesting for me to like start from scratch because I've never called a G League game before. I haven't. It's not like I've, you know, followed the G League in any kind of an intense way. So um, I'm interested to see what uh, what it, what this is going to be like. And um, and then I'll be back all aboard for women's college basketball again next week. But, but tell us what the uh, free throw Oh, so they have the experimental rules. And like this year in the NBA and last year too, they had the um, challenge rule where each coach was given one challenge per game. Well, that started in the G League. So the, the G League kind of is like the, um, the training ground for new rules. So one of the new rules, and I think this was started in 1920 season, is experimental free throw rule. So until the last two minutes of the game, if you're fouled, you take one free throw. So if you're fouled as an and one, if you're fouled and it would have been a two-shot foul, if you're fouled taking a three, you only get one free throw. And if you make that one free throw, it counts for the number of points that it would have been. So if you get if you get fouled taking a three and you make your one free throw, it counts as three points. So um, it's like, I like the fact that it, it's going to make the game move on a little faster, but um, we were talking to one of the coaches today, and he said it really puts a ton of pressure on your good free throw shooters. He said your bad free throw shooters are going to miss them anyway, but your good free throw shooters, they feel that much more pressure to make this free throw because it's not just worth one, it's worth two or three. And um, I thought that was kind of an interesting way to look at it. The bad guys, the ones who can't shoot from there anyway, don't care. It's the ones who, who pride themselves on being good free throw shooters. Well, I alluded to it seconds ago, but should we get to viewer mail in full? Let's get to um, the full-bodied viewer mail. Big bad book, throw our lure, reel us in with your viewer mail. First viewer mail comes in from Lori with an I. She writes, as always, I continue to listen and enjoy your podcast tremendously, but I worry, dot, dot, dot. Rebecca, please march into ESPN and say, oh, this is timely as today's headlines, Rebecca. Please march into ESPN and say, this is Connecticut in winter. We all know what transportation treachery that can bring. Which do you think would be cheaper? One, a car service from my home to Bristol when the weather is terrible. Two, a home announce kit. Three, my hospital bills after I wipe out on black ice or find myself upside down in my car with another injured knee or worse. Tell them, writes Lori, I vote to number two. Then turn around and walk out, maybe even flip your hair. Becky with the good hair. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't think I don't, any I, of those things I, also, will work. Also, a car service is not really ideal because then, then now you've got a stranger driving yes. in bad conditions, yes. and that's always... Uh, I do trust myself more than anyone else driving in weather like this because I have no problem going 15 miles an hour. I'm just sure. going to keep myself safe. I am not in a hurry to get anywhere. But um, I wish I wish it were that easy. Of course, people, the executives included, are all working from their homes. So I'd have to drive to an executive's home, throw that ultimatum down, then whip my hair, flip my hair, and, uh, I, I <laughs> and would, leave. I would happy to do it on your behalf, but I would have to drive to the executive's home, remove my toupee, and flip it <laughs> to them. Um, Two, two other quick points here from Lori. There were three early Rolling Stones references in your last podcast. You, remember, you yes, may remember, remember we had Get Off of My Cloud and Painted Black. Um, 
When Steve was telling about turning the driveway black, Rebecca asked if that brought satisfaction. So there were three. We ah. get off of my cloud, satisfaction, well painted done, black. Lori, but I. Finally, one final thought, writes Lori. I lived in the Atlanta area for 20 years, had two kids, and who knows how many OBGYN appointments. Why, oh why, didn't I know of Dr. Gary Siegel then? Be well, friends, and stay that way, Lori. Thank you, Lori. I mean, that's, that's a good question. So we ask if we have any young listeners in the Atlanta area. I wonder if all of a sudden, you know, the, Dr. Siegel will, will be able to add or, new or, uh, new women who um, who have learned of him of our podcast. Uh, Steve, our Northern Suburbs correspondent, writes, uh, Greetings from Minnesota, where, as I type this on Sunday morning, the actual air temperature outside is minus 20. Where is this? The Twin Cities. Oof. Uh, he's our Northern Suburbs correspondent oh, okay. in the Twin Cities. Yes. Uh, it appears as though we are in for several days of frigid weather, but as you well know, Steve, these are the days that give us Minnesotans our bragging rights. And in fact, as we speak here in Connecticut, the snow is coming down. It's, uh, it's I think it's going to be in single digits this week, but it's not quite the, the minus 20 that you get in, in Minnesota. Just a quick note to share a delightful confluence of life in podcast, right, Steve? I'm not sure if the New York Times crossword is the same each day in papers across the country, but I attach a photo of the one from the Minneapolis Star Tribune from Friday, January 29th. Uh, in fact, somebody else sent somebody else in Minneapolis sent this to me uh, probably that same day. The New York Times crossword puzzle that ran on Christmas in the Times mm -hmm. ran in the Star Tribune on January 29th with... Ah with um, you as the as the clue, Rebecca in the Basketball Hall of Fame. So Very nice. Seven across, I believe it was. And, and again, eclipsing 1980s sheriff, mm -hmm. New Mexico athlete, mm -hmm. and, and uh, one member of Los Lobos. <laughs> I don't know if it's eclipsing or just temporary, temporarily filling in for. Giving, giving, giving a, a, a brief break yeah, from from coming them. in off the bench but not not yet going to be a starter well uh, uh haven't heard from him since i think uh since i think since i think halloween week when we opened a a, a case dry ice and removed my head from that styrofoam case of dry ice george our monocle and pumpkin dealer Hi, george. our croaky dealer where's he been and well he's been in columbus because he signs george in columbus where has anybody been Anybody has been where they were a year ago. Well, I didn't mean literally where he's where has he been. I mean, unless unless why he's hasn't been he written? unless he's been unless that was him at the Super Bowl. <laughs> in the thong. <laughs> yes, I don't think so. How great would it have been if the guy wearing the thong monocle. had also been wearing a monocle? Yeah, with a croquis, uh, securing it to his face. <laughs> yes, and several jeweler's loops. A, a pumpkin. Multiple jeweler's loops. Steve, since Rebecca no longer travels to out-of-town games, it occurred to me that you and the kids are probably not celebrating the season of melting meats, those convenient for you family crockpot meals that Rebecca thoughtfully prepared in advance. Oh, George, you would be mistaken. It is not really the season of melting meats we this season. We have not had an uh, abundance of, of melting <laughs> meats meals. We, no. We've not even had one a week. Well, I mean, what would be wrong with an abundance of melting meats? Nothing. But you're you right. We have on, not had. You look on melting meats the same way you look at the spider plants. No, no, not true. Not true. If I could eat spider plants, then... Then <laughs> you'd be fine. That'd be fine. Um, as an alternative, writes George, I thought you should be aware of a website, midcenturymenu.com, that features a treasure trove of family meal recipes from the golden age of casseroles, the 50s to the 70s. 
I can already see he's attached a few pictures, and they are glorious. Is there a green bean casserole uh, well, there's, with there's like something the fried to do onions with, on well, top? An era when convenience took the form of encasing an entire meal in a mold of gelatin. Jellied hamburger loaf, see photo. Or jellied hamburger loaf, see photo. Or covering it with a can of condensed soup. You know exactly oh, what he's talking course. about, don't you? Yes. I mean, everything was sort of it gelatinous. Was cream yeah. of mushroom or like cream of yeah. chicken. Yes, yeah, yeah. of course. The first featured recipe for 2021, overnight hot dog sandwiches, quote, a dish that your family will not tire of, end quote, might be a good one for you to try. The instructions specifically tell you to cut the crusts off the 18 <laughs> To cut the crusts off the 18 white bread slices. Finally, a vote for Rebecca, writes George, before spreading the mixture of grated American cheese, chopped hot dogs, and cream cheese to construct oh. the two-layered sandwich in a baking pan, which is then covered with beaten eggs, milk, onions sautéed in butter, mushroom soup, as you say, cream, chopped eggs, and parsley. Full recipe and photo also attached. Suddenly, melting meats never looked so good. Bon appetit. Writes George. George, thank you. These are spectacular. Um, this is this is a one of those. This will go into the Ball and Chain podcast cookbook. Yeah, and 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 here's a photo that somebody somebody has made it clearly not in the 70s or the 50s because it's on it's on the sort of uh, uh, granite countertop uh, of the exact same design that that we have that that we occasionally see on HGTV where the home buyers, prospective home buyers look at it and say, ugh, these would have to go, yeah. these dated countertops, right? So, um, oh, these are f- fantastic. But this, Rebecca, this is, uh, this is, the, uh, this is the, the, the gelatinous loaf with baby carrots coming out the side of it, but, but alphabet soup baked in under the clear coat of, of, of gelatin. It's, it's, I can't do it justice, but maybe we can post this next week on uh, the BNC Twitter handle, Rebecca. That'll be your deal, okay? Okay. Uh, I mentioned Jen with two N's inquiring about all those dogs at Gample. Um, she had just finished watching the game when she sent that. She wished, Rebecca, that you and Ryan had been calling the game. Nothing against the other network, um, which did a did a fine job. Uh, three, I was inspired by your dining room makeover, writes Jen. So we tackled our, quote, junk room, once the kids' playroom. It now has a spare bed, a table, and two shelf units to fold laundry and store clothes that will be donating, and an open space for my daily meditation. Nothing matches, but it all works. Thank you for the idea. Rebecca, Oh, yay. We've inspired. inspired somebody. Maybe she'll throw some spider plants in there to bring her extra mmm when she's doing well, her meditation. Well, our, our, our uh, sitting room, I think we can call it. We, we, we rolled the table out of the dining room. You started calling it the parlor. I, that no, the became, kids started calling that it the parlor. That became the better known as the name of a, of a right-wing uh social media app so we started calling it the sitting room when that becomes uh co-opted by something else we'll have to call it something else but that was painted uh last week very exciting it is very exciting very exciting it's painted gray it's and it's a it's a lovely color that's the room the you spider s- plants were in and and you have not let me return them if, I may, if I may recall the rolling stones for the second week in a row you saw a beige room and you want it and you want to paint it gray and you did that is that a Rolling Stones? Painted black. It's a game. Oh. It's, it, uh, forget I said anything. Okay, um, finally, uh, not finally, because Dr. Gary Siegel will bat cleanup, but um, penultimately, the penultimate email, and gosh, I hope Denny has queued up a theme song, a walk-up music for, for Dr. Siegel. But prior to that, um, we have Michelle, who writes, Greetings from snowy Albany, New York. Rebecca and Steve. Rebecca, if you had to list the top three or four contenders 
for the Women's Basketball National Championship at this point, who would they be? And Rebecca, as we record this, did I see that that uh, North Carolina State lost to North Carolina? You did see that. Because well when I saw when I saw them, North Carolina State beat who did Louisville. I just beat Louisville? I thought they were definite contenders for the title. No. Yes. yes. No, Are they absolutely. still? They still are. Yeah, sure. sure. Okay. Coach Landers and I were talking about this actually the other day in studio. Is this is one of those years where there's not this there's not a favorite. Um, could UConn be in the Final Four and win the championship? Probably. Could they not make the Final Four? Yes. Could South Carolina win the championship? Yes. Could they get um, you know upset in the Elite Eight? Yes. Like. Could There's COVID issues render all of this kind of uh, oh, yeah. moot and, and like, other teams emerge? Yes, because yes. I read. I mean, there's still only probably 10 teams that you could look at and say, all right, they realistically could could win the national championship. Um, but, you know, Louisville's up there, Baylor, Stanford, um, UConn, um, NC State, uh, South Carolina. Um, Arizona just had this great win last night over Oregon, and, and they've had times where they've looked really good. But, yeah, it's been an interesting season, and, and COVID will, will play a big part. Um, like we were talking to one coach, and he was saying uh, enough of his players had COVID, fortunately um, not, not with any kind of um, severe symptoms, that they will have enough players no matter what during the tournament where they will be able to always field the team because they've had enough kids who've had COVID that they can field the team. Well, then you have other teams where that's not necessarily the case. So women's college basketball, there's going to be um, a single geographic region. It's the San Antonio region. 64 teams will go there. They'll be tested. But inevitably, it's, you know, at some point, there's going to be a team who has positive cases and might not be able to play. So what happens? Do they just forfeit that game? Um, you can't like have just another team there waiting in the early round. So I'm going to be fascinated to see how it plays out, how COVID impacts it. It's been really interesting for me to see, too, how different leagues handle it and how different states handle it. So like UConn earlier this season, the women, they played Providence. And Providence, I think, had one player test positive, and because of the rules in our state, the UConn women then had to go on, um, had to cancel or postpone their next game. Whereas in an, in another state, that might not be what the protocol is. Um, so it's state by state, it's conference by conference. So the whole thing, once it gets to the NCAA tournament, is going to be really interesting to watch. Um, did you give Michelle your your top three or four? I, I, I named a bunch, okay. but um, yeah, like I don't have a, I, I don't know how many I named, five or six, but there's 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 a number of teams that would not shock me. Maryland being another one would not shock me if um, if they were in the Final Four and playing for a national championship. She also has a follow-up about viewer mail about the viewer mail about peanut butter and dogs. First, she writes, I am sad to report I am now the dog mom to four. Rebecca, Did it used to don't, be five? Don't get any ideas. Oh, I... I Oh, I'm sorry. It used to be five. I, yes, I thought she was. She had been going up. She's. Uh, <laughs> you would be sad to report if we if you <laughs> well, were the dog dad to three, but she's sad because yes, it's one fewer. Yes. Chelsea, who was about thirteen to fourteen, passed away a couple weeks ago. Sorry to hear that. Chelsea was the consummate napper. Often she was asleep on the sofa right behind me when I worked from home during the last year. Her favorite sleeping posture was on her back, paws in the air, while snoring away during my Zoom calls. Xylitol, the chemical one of your other readers mentioned that is in some peanut butter, is also in sugar-free gum. I know that because Ollie, one of the pack, ate a tissue that I had placed a chewed piece of gum in until I got up and would throw it out. 
well, I forgot to grab it, and so Ollie took care of that for me. At first, I was thinking, oh, he will just pass it naturally, but decided to Google it to confirm. The answer resulted in me taking a quick trip to, a quick trip to the vet, Ollie being given something to make him throw up, and me and the vet tech standing over the container he was throwing up into, watching for a white chunk to come out. It did come out, but they still called poison control. Who knew you called them for dogs? Well, Rebecca, you and I knew we called them for dogs yes. because our— We once. Oh, we once. Got a packet of— Gummy, gummy bears, bears as a as a Christmas present, and they were from Germany, and yes. so all of the ingredients, instructions, not instructions, but the ingredients, all of the writing on the package was in German, and we didn't and, we didn't know, and since since most of these ingredients aren't are, are nonsense words in the first place, right. like xylitol, right? So we um we went out for a walk or something. We came back, and our daughter, our oldest daughter, I don't remember how she old she was at the time, was in hysterics. Because the dog had gotten to the gummy bears and eaten a ton of the gummy bears. And now our daughter didn't have those gummy bears anymore. <laughs> but she knew that sugar-free sweetener, that xylitol, was a problem. And so we're trying to read what's left of the package. But, of course, it's all in German, so we had no idea. So we called Poison Control. The first thing, of course, that they do is take your credit card number because it's like $70 or something ridiculous. Take your credit card, make, repeatedly get permission that it's okay to charge the card. And then I talked to the, to the, through it with the person and then we realized, um, no, these are sugared gummy bears. So our dog might be on a sugar high, but she is going to, to be safe. Um, but we do have hydrogen peroxide in the house and there's been a handful of times where our dog, not the puppy, but the older dog, has eaten something, and we've realized it very quickly and that it was going to be a problem. And so I give the older dog the right amount of hydrogen peroxide so that she will then immediately vomit up the thing. But I, I hate that because we have, like, one of those syringes left from when the kids were little, and you'd put their liquid medicine in it, and I have to put the however many teaspoons, tablespoons go in there and then shove it in the poor dog's mouth and... Uh, and then the dog, like, the dog loses your trust for a, at least a day. Because when I had to do that to our dog this summer, like, I couldn't even get her to come over and let me pet her for about a good 24 hours. She she knew I had, you know, poisoned her with that hydrogen peroxide it, without realizing I'd really saved her life. And it works both ways because the, the, uh, the, the dog lost my trust for more than a day after it licked the plate of hamburgers that I had just grilled and left on the picnic table outside. <laughs> right, right. Uh, perhaps for, for more than a year. Yes, the burgers that you grilled and left unwatched on the picnic table. Oh, I was table. watching them. But it was her fault for eating. She was faster than I was. Yes. Well, finally. Finally. Licensed. Licensed to email. 007. Dr. Siegel. Dr. Siegel writes, uh, let me offer an apology for having sent to the podcast an erroneous numeric palindrome. Perhaps we could have instituted a, a corrections on Ball and Chain podcast. And thanks to both of you for catching my error. A few things do come to mind after last week's Blockbuster podcast, of course, best presented in list form. One, bravo to Denny. He loves the, uh, the Bond theme. Uh, however, Dr. Siegel points out, I am one of thousands of thoughtful viewers, and thus I remain both thankful and in awe that I've been given both cleanup status and walk-up music. Cleanup status <laughs> and walk-up music. Uh, he also points out that you teed me up with satisfaction, and I failed to uh, catch that uh, Rolling Stones reference when, when discovering, discussing Painted Black on the driveway. 
3. Rebecca, I'm so glad you discovered the economical and logical way to put air in the tires. Yes, for quite some time, I too have removed all of the caps from the tire valve stems, the tire valve stems, yes. uh, prior to paying for the air in order not to run out of air time. This is certainly a family legacy that you can pass on to all of the children as well as the viewers. Steve is, quote, woke in that he is not concerned as to which parent passes on that information to the children, but only that the information is passed on. And I love his reference to airtime. Uh, Dr. Siegel uh, has a practical reason for, for wanting, maximizing his airtime. In your case, it's just a, uh, it's just a, an ego thing, Rebecca. Right, right. lovely. I, I like that he calls you woke. I don't know if I like more that he, he's, he's calling you woke or that he's using the word woke, but I, they both make me happy. For Rebecca, your discussion about your broken computer and the cloud was quite familiar to me. While math and the sciences were and remain the foundation of medicine, I came along before personal computers were commonplace. I thought he was going to say I came along before math and science were required for medicine. Um, We've had personal computers for over two decades, and like you and many viewers, much of what I've learned to do or how I've learned to fix problems has come via the schools of hard knocks or via technical support chats or calls. My humble suggestion and solution for computer problems, since you can't see the cloud, or see electricity, there are exceptions, or see magic, and since computers run on electricity and magic, then don't try to understand them. Get help. <laughs> Dr. Siegel, if, if, if I had a dollar for every time I urged Rebecca to get help. Um, it, 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 for, for me, it works with computers and men. Don't try to understand them, or I should say computers and my husband. Don't try to understand them. <laughs> Oh, oh, I thought you were going to say it works with your husband. You can't see the electricity or magic. You just know it's there. <laughs> yeah, that's what I meant. The local small business Peachtree Computers. This is Atlanta, after all. The Genius Bar, YouTube, Google, and especially Mrs. Dr. Siegel. Quote, did you restart your phone slash computer? Are my friends when trying to fix issues with electronic devices? So, Rebecca, Peachtree Computers. Now, the next time... I'd yeah. have to be nutmeg computers since I'm well, living you, up here. I think you have to get to Atlanta and, and deliver them to Peachtree Computers. Five, and finally, at the end of the podcast, in a bit of dual self-deprecation, you minimize the importance of your work while elevating the importance of mine, for which I am thankful. However, let me please point out the importance of what you do individually and together. You're raising a family of four children who are developing exemplary values and character, as well as providing entertainment via written, broadcast, and social media that covers sports, life, humor, and so much more. In many ways, we all deliver happiness. We all deliver happiness. Ah. Uh, what a lovely phrase from Dr. Siegel. With warmest regards, Gary, I, I wonder if Dr. Siegel regrets uh, his assessment of what we're, how we're raising our children, if he regrets uh, having sent that in prior to hearing about the chin horn. <laughs> yeah, probably. Prior to my chin horning our daughter into, into a hoodie. Uh, I out of a hoodie. Out of, out of a hoodie. I, I, I mentioned last week, Tom, Dick, and Harry have a great new song. I forgot to... Ask them if we could play it on this week's podcast. So let's cue that up, I hope, for next week's podcast, unless they're polishing it up, in which case we'll, in, we'll deliver it in, at a later It's coming in, in some future, at some future time. Like like Magnificent Cavern. The billboard is it's at 17 right. miles away, exit 37. And with that. <laughs> thank you, Denny. Thank you, Denny. Tom Dick Hari. Play us out. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. 
Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet live in the cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts your sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and vigorous, what we give for a little rest. Stay by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.